Tom Cruise thinks Dustin Hoffman is retarded. Or is he? Next up on Odds of Thunder. <laughs> We're back again. My name is uh, Eric the Man of Size. I'm with my friend Jeremy. <laughs> Man of, uh, what's the other one? Man of size. Is there another one? There, yeah, there was another one we were talking about the other day. Man of, oh, man of means. Man of means. Yes. Man of means. Definitely. Hey, no, you're definitely a man of means. I just bought, I just bought your lunch or your dinner. <laughs> and the microphones. And the microphones. I'm a, man, I'm a man of means. <clears throat> um, yeah, we have, we finally have monikers. It's only, it only took yeah. eight episodes, but we got them. Mm-hmm. I'm proud. I'm a proud man of size. <laughs> A proud, a dignified man of size, uh, and a miserly man of means. Can they ever get along? <laughs> Next up on Pods, uh, go ahead because I got to think of a, an anecdote here. So you got one in the barrel. <laughs> We're doing it live, folks. Um, I do have one. Yeah, go for it. I was uh, well. I'll be interested. I, th- I think you'll know what I'm talking about. All right. So I was at work last week. And I encountered a situation that I, I feel like is very common. Um, and, you know, on in this space, I have derided other terms and said things I didn't like. So I thought I would I would uh, take the opposite approach and I'm going to come up with a term. So have you ever been in an elevator where uh, the, the you, know, you get to the door you're waiting for, doors open and everybody filters out. And it's you and one other person. And the, uh, the the person who's kind of right by the door, they put their arm out like they're blocking the door. And they kind of look at you like kind of be our, like they, they, they kind of like wave their arm forward. Sure. Like, why don't you go through the door? You know, I'm going to call that person the elevator dad because <laughs> for because it's almost always a male. Right. And it it's. Uh, well, actually, I should, I should point out, I have no problem with this move whatsoever. It's perfectly fine. I'm big on holding doors open for people, like an actual swinging door open yeah. for somebody. I think it's a good judge of character. Um, but I just, I think it's a funny move being the elevator dad because it's presented as like, oh, what a helpful man. But it's not really helping anyone. No, and there's there's plenty of instances like that throughout the workplace or throughout the day where it's somebody who thinks that they're doing some great justice for right. people around them and they're just being a what, twat. What they're doing, they're consolidating the informal, the, the soft power in the elevator and saying like... <laughs> uh, Emphasis what, on soft. Very soft. Flaccid. The flaccid power. <laughs> what, what I like to imagine that the... Basically when this happened, I thought of the term elevator dad. I thought it was funny and I just kind of took it way too far and basically like diagnosed this man. Uh, who had held the door open, but I, so I like to imagine that he's like a he comes from a proud a, a, a family that has a proud like military history, <laughs> and he had he had some kind of like flat foot or he's colorblind for some reason he could not he couldn't enlist. join, and so <laughs> this the elevator is his version of no man left behind because he like the the situation happened to me. There's probably like. You know, six or seven people in the elevator, and I went to one of the corners, so I'm standing directly behind the guy. And he held the door open, but then he looked back at me and gestured with his other hand, kind of like, and I wish I'd had the presence of mind to do like that, where you almost like it's like a game of tennis and you volley back, where you go, mm-hmm. hmm. Because at that point, <laughs> if, if I had like motioned to the door to him, 
it's it's still kind of like okay, so to speak. But if he would have come back at me, then it would have been weird. So I could have taken his power and crushed him. Uh, like <laughs> in my mind, the man was so driven by the need to uh, to control the elevator that he would have he would have accepted my gesture had I done it. But then committed ritualistic suicide afterward mm-hmm. because he had not uh, he had not fulfilled the duties of the of the elevator dad. So. Loyal listeners out there, whenever you see somebody do that move, try to try to coax them. When they give you the the arm sweep, kind of leading towards the door, give them the oh no, by all means you. Make sure it's a nonverbal cue too. It, oh, exactly. Because I think if you say no, 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 after you, it, it's kind of squashed at that. Right. Because the nonverbal cue is, I think, has so much more power or meaning i don't know if i'm using the right word here well yeah because it 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 takes a moment to kind of like what's going it'll it's kind of like in a wrestling match like when the you know the guy that hulk hogan you always knew was going to win the announcer has to be like what's happened here hogan's (laughs) he's got back up so you can see the glint of recognition where the guy realizes his his uh his plan has been foiled where it's like what is he oh lord no he's returned the volley (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the Undertaker rises up again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like oh, he's used my own nonverbal cue on me. <laughs> I must now exit the elevator. Uh, the 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 elevator um, customs and courtesies is so bizarre to me because I, I went from a, a world of where I never rode in an elevator ever to now all I do is ride in elevators. I have to ride an elevator up and down my apartment. I do it from where I park my car in the morning to the building I walk across to to ride an elevator up to the skyway to walk to the skyway to get to my building and then take an elevator up to my floor. <laughs> so all I'm doing all day is riding elevators. Right. And every single time I hop in, I've now gotten to the point where, and it seems like almost everywhere I go aside from my apartment, I'm going one floor. But I don't have like this option of taking the stairs. Right. So I have to take the elevator. So what I do is I walk in and what you're supposed to do is file to the back, right? Which sure. is kind of that makes sense. Right. But I I know I'm the first one out because I'm only going one floor. Right. So I immediately hit the button and I stand right next to the button. I make sure I give other people room yep. to hit whatever floor they need, but I'm right next to the buttons because I'm first one out. What people don't seem to understand is when it then five, six people come to the elevator behind me. They're blocking me in. Right. And then I have to do the oh, 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 excuse, oh, oh, excuse, oh, excuse me. Pardon yep. me. You know just a bunch of beginnings of words. Collection, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and then and then the other one that baffles me is I started riding elevators on a regular basis, I would say about four months ago. Where it was, you know, every day somewhere. And <laughs> there is an unwritten rule, ladies first. Sure. I mean, even in 2019. Could get, uh, could get in trouble in today's day. And age. I, that's where I'm going. <laughs> so, the, so the other day, because every time an elevator stopped and there was a, a woman on, they didn't even hesitate. They would just step off as soon right. as those doors opened. Not even giving it a moment's chance for me to step off. Sure. Even though I'm standing close to the door, whatever. Right. So the other day, I was with co- like actual co-workers um, in the elevator. And one of sure. them happened to be a woman. And I waited. And it was like it was like a, a beat, maybe two. And she didn't walk off. And so I walked off. Sure. And 
She was like, oh, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I was trying to be a gentleman. She, she, she actually, uh, like, verbally said something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and so there was co- there was me, her, another, and I think two other co-workers, and then someone else who worked in our building. Sure. Who happened also happened to be a woman. And she didn't walk off either, mm-hmm. which I was kind of puzzled by. And and I turned to her, because now I'm walking in front of her, and I said, oh, I was just trying to be a gentleman. I could see the other woman, like, kind of putting her mouth over her face as she's kind of laughing at the situation and right. how stupid and how, like, petty and how... It's just right. everything about it is just, like, who the fuck cares who gets off the elevator yeah, first? Exactly. What a true gentleman. <laughs> right. He sacrificed his two seconds right. for me. And then I didn't. And then I just went. <laughs> I think the the part of the... Re- We're going deep on elevators. Yeah, we are. Part of the reason, though, that I find the elevator dad so funny is because it's it's like a self-appointed position. Oh, and, and it's... And it's... It, it's so posturing. Well, and it's, it's kind of like they're saying... I've ridden an elevator before. (laughs) I got this. And it's also act like you've been there. (laughs) Well, there's a way to interpret it where like you could be, you could be like Gatsby where it's, Oh, like I'm a person of import. I'm being motioned through the door. (laughs) But it, so it's kind of like humble brag where it like presents in one way. Absolutely. And, but actually means something else where it's like when people, if somebody calls you chief, it's technically a term of like, it's saying like, oh, it's power, but it's actually power sapping to be like, hey, chief, why don't you give me the screwdriver? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. That it never means like you're the boss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That always means like you're fucking doing it, something yeah, for me. Exactly. Like, it's I. It, it's ironic because you're not the <laughs> boss. You're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> right. That's what the elevator dad is doing as he gestures. He's like, oh, take my orders, sir. <laughs> right, right, so right. Don't be an elevator dad, everyone. Don't be that. Um, that's that was my anecdote. I just piggybacked off of yours. It's all about it. Maybe we should cue some uh, outcasts in here. Elevators, me and you. Is that wait what? Elev- the song Elevators, me and you. That song called is called Elevators. Yeah, I never knew. Coming that. up in the world like elevators. Is that Aquemini? I believe that's AT Aliens. Oh, you're right. I believe. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm. Boy, I'm. I need to get brushed up on my outcast. That's terrible. I could have told you that probably right off the top of my head back in like 2000. Exactly. Well, AT Aliens and Aquamanai both start with A, and they're the second and third album, so they're I they're easy to they mix up. S- like similar artistry for their album covers too. Like you, could, it's not. It's obviously they're different, but you right. Could, I think it's I the same. Don't artist. know that I'm familiar with the cover. Anyway. Let's, wow, let's, we derailed yeah. the fuck we got, out we of got, this one. We, we got elevators, we got outcasts. Today we're doing Rain Man. I fucking hate this movie. Do you really? I, I hate it. I have some problems with it. I thought it's overall it's a good movie. It won Best Picture, which I, it's not that shocking, but it's a good movie. But I'm, I don't know if it's necessarily that good. But uh, just real brief, the, the 1988 uh, Tom Cruise is Charlie Babbitt. Um, very early, or the opening scene, I believe he has. They know they don't really. I don't. Did you have any understanding of what his job was? It's related, sort to, of. So he's he's is he like a wholesaler? That's for, what I was for, thinking for like sports top cars. end sports cars. He's a purveyor of sports cars in some capacity. And I'm wondering. So I looked this up, but just seeing the shape of the sports cars that come in, I knew there are two sports cars that are like, I don't know what it is, but they're just associated with the '80s. One do you do you know either of them? They were like all the posters. Well, Lamborghini, but Lamborghini Countach, Countach. Yeah. That that's actually what it was. I found out. Okay. And the other one is Ferrari 
Testarossa. Exactly. For, there's something about those that are just so The aged. only reason I know those names of those cars yeah. is because my brother had posters of a Lamborghini Ex- Countach and, a, and exactly. a Ferrari Testarossa. Anyway, so Tom Cruise plays Charlie Babbitt, who is the purveyor of <clears throat> Lamborghini Countaches. Um, I think, like Eric, I think he's a wholesaler, essentially. But early on, we discover that he's sold three of them, but he's getting hassled by the EPA about... I don't know exhaust or something like that, and so oh for environmental issues, yeah, or something yeah. Like that. yeah. So he's so he's made the sale. He's clearly financially extended, and he can't. He, but the EPA is kind of giving him a hassle, so he can't complete the sale and get the money. And he's kind of in dire straits. He he, there, there's three people in the office. He appears to be the it's boss. It's not an office. Yeah, it's, it's a, a it's, fucking warehouse. It's a hangar. Yeah, where their desks are set up directly in the middle. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about what that. the fuck kind of setup is yeah. that? It's just a wide open, basically like an airport hangar, a huge warehouse with two desks, uh, one of which is Tom Cruise's girlfriend, and the other is just some other schlub who works there. Yeah. Um, but Tom Cruise is stressed about the Lambos, and plus the the schlub gets a phone call from someone saying they want their two down payments back and it's like that's what a fucking down payment is you don't get that shit back you don't get to argue i want my down payment yeah back. right that's part of the contractual should've, agreement should have put a service level agreement in if you wanted certain days in there um but so anyway cruz uh i think he's pissed off he's stressed and he says to his girlfriend slash uh subordinate at work <laughs> let you know what, let's go to palm beach i believe it is palm springs palm springs maybe yeah. Uh, so on the way there, he gets a call that his father has passed away. By the way, uh, car phone in 1988, big fucking yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that kind of. It's funny because in the movie, it's kind of meant to show, "Ooh, this guy's a power broker." But right. in 2019, looking at it, you're like, "Oh my god, that was, <laughs> like that cost you know 20 times as much as my cell right. phone, and it's not as as much shittier." Right. Um, but so he gets news that his father died. Clearly, right away, he doesn't have a great relationship because he takes the news as though somebody was giving him the weather report and says that he'll go to the funeral the next day. So they he dramatically hits a U-turn on the road, heading now, not towards Palm Springs, but Cincinnati, Ohio. Sin City. Sin City, as they don't call it. Um, uh, well, And there he, uh, he learns that you know, his, father, his father is a man of means. And uh, he's he's I'll you do know that while I'm drinking. Man. <laughs> did a spit take. His father's a man of means, and uh, Tom Cruise's inheritance is his father's prized 1949 Buick Roadster or something, some rare car that his father loved, and Tom Cruise as a child wasn't able to drive. By the way, yeah. I just want to mention this once, and I'll I'll leave it alone. Sure. So I I googled the 1948 Buick Roadster. Yeah. And I already knew this ahead of time, but I just wanted confirmation on it. <laughs> You know, like people say, like ah, they don't build cars like they used to, right? right? For for vehicles like that. Sure. Just give me a guess on, I, and I already know where you're gonna go with this, but <laughs> uh, what the gas mileage for a vehicle like that? Is. Ooh, um, yeah. I'll say fifteen. Eleven. Eleven yeah. miles to the gallon, and they take this thing across the fucking country. <laughs> Back when cars were metal instead of plastic, <laughs> that's the problem. Ugh. <laughs> All right, I derailed you again. Go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. So, um, but so Cruz's father had an, uh, he had an inheritance of three million to offer, but Cruz gets none of that. He just gets the car and the rose bushes. I, that's the second time rose bushes come up in a movie where um, it's just kind of it really throws the the audience member off. The only the other movie 
do you remember in, in Saving Private Ryan where Tom Hanks and um, <clears throat> and uh, Matt Damon are having that heart to heart right before the big final oh, right. battle, and uh, and Tom Hanks is talking about uh, how he thinks back to his home and his wife and those rose bushes. Sure, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I remember thinking like this really derailed me from the movie <laughs> because it's like this is the most like battle driven movie right. World War II movie ever. And I was just like, I want to know about that. <laughs> I want to know about how he's going to kill these motherfuckers. Well, and the rose bushes in this movie. So Cruz's girlfriend makes a reference to them right away. She says something like, "Somebody should water those rose bushes" or something oh, like I that. I missed that part. And, well, I just thought it was a weird line. And then Cruz gets—he's uh, a benefactor of the rose bushes in the will. And the, but so it seemed like they're going to pay off in some way, but they never get brought up again. Never get it's brought like, up again. And like, even if they do get brought up again, like. The fuck is he supposed to do with them? Well, that so what I was thinking is they're brought up too much to be nothing, but not enough to be something. <laughs> you, I, it's, it's, it's like a Seinfeld. I, I, I have a feeling that there's there's a, a an, an early draft of this film that it, like the, the entire third act is all about the rose bushes and it got cut or something because cut for time. Very strange. Anyway, he he learns that the the uh, inheritance is is going to a trust. And the trustee has not been named, or they won't divulge it to Tom Cruise. He uses legally. I don't think they can. No, they can't. And he uses some con that's not really shown to figure out that it, uh, the benefactor is at a uh, uh, assisted living facility, not for the elderly, but for those with mental handicaps. So he he goes there to uh, try to get to the bottom of it, and we're quickly introduced to Dustin Hoffman as Raymond Babbitt. It turns out that. He had a brother, unbeknownst to him, who is autistic and is living in this uh, uh, Walbrook, I believe it's called. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, <clears throat> and so he is the benefactor, even though he has no concept of money, which None. I don't know enough about autism, but that it, there's a few things in this movie where it's like, he, he's so smart, but he doesn't understand this. And I'm like, I understand autism is like sensory they can be you know sensory input it can overload them very easily right don't pick up on social cues but like he doesn't understand the concept of money so this is so i don't know much about it either but this is where i i wanted to believe this was believable Mm -hmm. just based on the fact that that term on the spectrum is used so much when it comes to autism right where it could mean like i don't i'm really good at numbers to all the way to Raymond Babbitt. Right. And I mean, there's people, there's autistic people who are completely nonverbal. So there is, there are a lot. Of, that's why I'm kind of hesitant to say anything. It's very possible that's accurate because yeah. it seems like Hoffman did a lot of research. But um, anyway, thought it was strange. So he essentially kidnaps his brother, uh, which makes me question. Although I do like the argument that he made later on where it's like, can I really kidnap my brother? True, but. Except for the fact that it's a brother he had no idea existed. <laughs> and he was basically taking Dustin Hoffman as collateral because he thought, right. hey, he's no, got this $3 million. Course. I'm going to take him. If right. you want him back, I got to get get some of that cash. And then the whole plot of the movie, <laughs> he's, they're, they're going to fly back to California. But uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, he's an autistic he's uh, savant. And uh, so he's got incredible uh, mental abilities in some, in some areas. And uh, one of the things that he... He's picked up on his airport fatalities and airport airplane crashes. Lots of st- statistical things, right? That he's very 
profound. Right. Yeah. And so he refuses to fly because every carrier, he can recall the date, number of people who died. And so the whole, the, the majority of the film is this cross-country trip with uh, Tom Cruise's Charlie and Hoffman's uh, Raymond as they kind of learn about each other since they haven't known each other most of their lives. They spend a week kind of driving across the country. More, Tom- more... Charlie Babbitt learning about Raymond Babbitt than yeah. than vice versa. True. I don't think I don't think uh, Raymond is learning too much about Charlie. <laughs> That's true. Um, and uh, and so Cruz is also uh, he's presented as kind of this very narcissistic, self centered. You know, he's I got to get this money, and he learned over the course of the six days he learns to love Raymond. Although I have some thoughts on that. I don't think he loves him at all. I think he loves the three mil <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, and so, but anyway, uh, once he gets to California, now he, he has a, here he, he's presented as having a soft spot in his heart for Raymond, but, uh, the doctors from his, from Walbrook, they want him back. And so Cruz is kind of forced to, uh, listen to their suggestion on if he, if Raymond can stay with, it's almost like a hearing. Yeah. And I got some thoughts on that too, but ultimately for the purposes of the summary, uh, Hoffman is forced to go back to Walbrook, but Cruz says, oh, I'll see you in two weeks. So they've clearly established a relationship, um, and that is Rain Man in a nutshell. Lots of thoughts on this movie. Um, all of them really bad. I fucking hate this movie. So I always, I always find it bizarre when I meet someone and the, the American version of The Office comes up. Sure. And... I've, I've come to find that's either a show that you either love or you hate it. And I find that the people... Or that, somewhere in between. Shout out to Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> and I find that the people who hate it, hate it because of Steve Carell. Of really? His, of his character. Who the fuck hates The Office, the morons? Exactly. But they, they say they can't watch it because it's... A cringe-inducing. It, it's so cringe-inducing. Yeah. That it's just unwatchable because they must relate to it. Right. An, an incredible amount. Enough to be like, I know this way too well. I have to endure this all day long. I don't want to yeah. then endure it at home. Those people might be on the spectrum. <laughs> but that's exactly how I feel about Rain Man. Is that it's a constant like battle of one personality versus the opposite of the other personality. Right. That goes nowhere for two fucking hours. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Well, so my biggest problem with it is, uh, oh, I I probably should have pointed out in the summary. This is like one of the when I this is one of the scenes I remember from watching it the first time is the casino scene. Yeah, you, you know, uh, Charlie he's in the financial troubles, and so he recruits Raymond to count cards. Well, this is after they visit the doctor. Who's who? Did we talk about yeah, this yet? I, not yet. Okay. I, I was just my my major flaw with the movie is that. Uh, it's presented as like a redemption story for Cruz where he learns to love. But that all doesn't happen until after he's he's used Dustin Hoffman to make eighty five thousand right. dollars and pay people off. Like right. and and uh, well, whatever. Uh, we, we'll, and they we don't even back fully develop that uh, you know, un um what's the word I'm looking for here? That uh oh god. Con- unconditional love. Because that's that's right. kind of what the family is supposed to be is unconditional love. There's no unconditional love between him and Raymond because very conditional love. It's very conditional. You can make me money. I love you. Because you take away that scene if that never happens. 
Well, he's he's sending Raymond back to Cincinnati. Well, no fucking the other thing. About it. So it's funny. Uh, again, I've I'd seen this movie before, but it was a long time ago. I didn't remember much. And it's funny as when I when I started it, you know, they have the title card Brain Man pop up, and I was like, Do they? Why is it called Rainman? Do they ever address that? Oh, and they then do. and yeah. early on, Cruz says that the Rain Man was the person who would uh, sing him a song when he was sad as a child. And it's funny because, like I said, I've seen the movie before. And at a certain point, Tom Cruise called him Ray. And I was like, his full name's Raymond. Oh, it's he's Rain Man. And, I, and so I was, it was like I gave myself like a quarter clap on the back because it's like <laughs> technically I knew this. Yeah. But I forgot it to the point that I wondered to myself if, if they addressed why it's called Rain Man. But then I did figure it out before the scene where they reveal that Dustin Hoffman is Rain Man. This is one of your biggest hangups in, in movies I'm finding out is... Is the Name. title tied in to the movie? Yeah, it's just something to talk about. Days of Thunder <laughs> really kicked it off. Yeah, it sure did. Um, but I bring that up, though, now, because the, the point is there's a kind of a important scene in the movie where Tom Cruise realizes, oh, my God, Rain Man wasn't just a made-up character that my mom told me about. It was my older brother, Dustin Hoffman, who would sing to me or whatever when he was... And when do they ever really establish how old he was when he was taken when when Raymond was taken away? No, but I get, I wondered because they never addressed why he was put in the home at all. Well, was it because the mother died? That's what I thought. But then it was like I think because Hoffman is you know a good amount older than Cruz. So I read something that was saying presenting it as though they addressed this in the movie, which they didn't. But it said like he turned eighteen. But. Oh. But, like, why didn't the dad tell Tom Cruise, oh, remember Rain Man, your brother? <laughs> right. He's still alive. Like, there's, they never address why Tom Cruise was kept in the dark about his brother. Well, he was not so much kept in the dark, but just clearly his dad was just, like, that the type of father who just probably hated being a father, yeah. I guess. Right. Where, cause, and as soon as the mom was gone. Yeah, then that, it was yeah. just, you know. Yeah. Hey, Rain Man. <laughs> Time to go to camp <laughs> forever. But so anyway, my, my whole point of bringing that up is there's this emotional scene where Tom Cruise realizes, oh my God, my brother's Rain Man. The next scene, he's bitching at him again. Yeah, it's right. not until he <laughs> makes right. him the money that right. he has this this big change of heart. Right, right, right. And and he's snapping his fingers at him all the time, you know, yeah, and it's he's like, it's, clapping at him. Like, well, come on, you know, and... Tom Cruise may be mentally handicapped in this movie because it's like <laughs> once the diagnosis is presented to you, don't you kind of get it? That's what I was thinking almost the whole time was like, here's the situation. Yeah. There, you're, you're, there's never going to be any reasoning with this yeah. person. Charlie, it's not a normal human being. Get that through your th- <laughs> fucking skull, you right. moron. There, there were, I, I wish I could think of more like specific instances, but it's basically anytime he opens up his mouth towards Raymond. Where you're just like, no, dude, do you not get it by now? Yeah. This is not a fully functioning human being. This is someone who's on the yeah. spectrum. Yeah. Who's very heavily on the spectrum. Right. And you have to change your whole approach. It really clicks once he gets that 80 Gs, though. <laughs> Suddenly, he's a new man. Oh, um, Charlie Babbitt. Did you recognize the the love interest? Yeah, so uh, she was in the Hot Shots movies. That's and right. I do, I, and I do really like those movies. I think, and I think she was really good in those movies. Valeria Galina. Do you remember what? What do you remember? What, do you remember a specific line from her on Hot Shots? I got two of them. Uh, you, you say, and I'll tell you if I remember them or not. Okay, one of them involves the involves a file cabinet. 
I don't remember this. No, she's like bending over next to a file cabinet and uh, Charlie Sheen is like checking out her ass and she yeah. goes, now they go all the way up. In reference to her legs, like it, it it's the same height as the file cabinet. <laughs> and then at one point, uh, she reveals that she's a virgin and Charlie Sheen goes, you're a virgin? And she says, yes, I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good run from her. She was also in Big Top Pee Wee <laughs> from 88 to early 90s. She was killing it. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, too. Like some, You know, like sometimes you'll hear a woman swoon over the British accent and you're yeah. kind of like, fuck you. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. With Valerina Galena, <laughs> the Italian femme fatale. I had... I, I think the Australian accent was the one who did it that does it for me. Really? Yeah. Or maybe it was. Oh, I always think of that as like a rowdy else. like. Maybe it's. I can't remember now. I had I had a whole accent that was like that was my, goddamn. Uh no I'm I'm no I'm totally derailing so go ahead. Well, just one thing I noticed so this movie was directed by Barry Levinson. Yeah, I recognize that name. What else has he done? He well, Diner was like the movie that kind of put him on the map. I think he did Sleepers, What was too. Diner? Was that Robert Redford? No, no, no. Diner was Kevin Bacon. Um, who's the guy with Mickey Rourke? Is that the one with the guy who fucked up his face and stuff? He was in The Wrestler. Um, oh, yeah. Paul Reiser. It was kind of... It's a very, like... It was set in the 1950s, and it's kind of a very, like, coming-of-age, lots-of-dialogue movie. Anyway, I put him on the map. I Barry Levinson, I don't think he has, like, a flagship movie that you'd go oh yeah well rain man yeah probably rain yeah. man i mean it did win uh, best picture but he's he's also been in the industry for a long time and it just got me thinking i was trying to think of like big name directors from tom cruise's era that he's worked with it, the only like big names i could think of that he hasn't uh woody allen okay tarantino Okay. And Spike Lee, which is kind of like, yeah, he's white. He's, you know, he's got, that's like half. So like <laughs> right. two and a half. Right. But he's worked with uh, Spielberg. Gary Levinson, Spielberg, Kubrick, The Outsider. Yep. Or, uh, sorry, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Yep. Paul Thomas Anderson with Magnolia. Uh, Rob Reiner. Uh, both. What, he did, what was the Rob Reiner one? I don't know, but I looked it up and he <laughs> did. Um, uh, what's, what's the crazy, Oliver Stone, Born on the Fourth of July. Okay. Both Scott brothers, uh, Ridley Scott and Tony Scott. Ridley Scott was, or maybe was Tony Scott. You know, Ridley Scott was legend. Tony Scott was both Top Gun and Days of Thunder. Ooh. And uh, Scorsese with Color of Money. And Coppola, yep. Francis Ford Coppola with The Outsiders, which he wasn't really the star of. But, but he was in He it. was a nobody, but he was in yeah. it. Yeah. So, good, pretty good run for Cruise. No shit. Well, I mean, I mean when you do as many huge yeah. movies as he does. For such a long time. Yeah. Um... So going back to Valeria, whatever the fuck her name is, the the love interest sounds like a like a STD. Yeah, Valeria, I got Valeria Gloda. <laughs> Doc said it's the worst case she's ever seen. Um, why is she with Tom Cruise? He's a fucking asshole. He's a, he's an asshole. He won't talk to her. He's presented as the worst person in the world. Although I have a theory that maybe uh, maybe Charlie Babbitt's a coxman. He leaves the door <laughs> he, in the one scene in the hotel. He leaves the door wide open, so Raymond uh, Raymond's oh, privy to all the noises. Right, he's got to be laying the pipe pretty well if she's right. sticking around. He, she's got he he offers her nothing. He's he's presented as just a terrible person, and she's uh, like employment. She's the sweet. Oh, there you go. That's a good point. She's presented as the sweetest person in the world, who instantly understands everything about Raymond. But she's a not a nice person because she fucking. Kisses the that, that scene makes no goddamn sense. The to elevator me. scene. The elevator yeah. scene. It's sexual assault. He's yes. a, he's a vulnerable adult. Yes. Yeah. He's not. He's 
barely an adult. He's basically a child. You're right, right. Yeah, he's an adult in age and only. What does she gain from doing that? That was the part where I'm like, what is the purpose of well, this? Well, I, th- I think it's because you're naturally going to feel, you feel a little bad for Dustin Hoffman because it's like, oh, he's not going to have a normal life. But it's kind of like... Well, then give him a fucking hand job. That's exactly what I... I have it in my notes. <laughs> give him a handy. If you're going to do it, that was a fence sitter move. Like, all, and all he describes it as, oh, it was wet. Yeah. Give him a handy. He'll, you know, he'll love you forever. <laughs> It'll Gloria. be wet all over the place. <laughs> That's, that's like 40 years of baby batter. Oh, my God. Up. I don't even want to think about the weird autism cum that's going to shoot out. <laughs> um, could this movie get made today, Eric? I I question. I mean, well, I, yes, but you have to change a lot of the dialogue. Yes. Specifically. One scene in particular. A couple scenes. Well, the one I'm thinking of is when, he, when Charlie Babbitt shows up to, what is it called? Waldorf? What is it? Uh, Walbrook. Walbrook. And he's speaking to one of the doctors. Yeah. And he's saying, is Charlie retard or is uh is Raymond retarded? Right. And he must say it like four times. Yeah. And that's yeah, they would they, but they it, it couldn't get made today, but it's the stupidest thing in the world because the whole point of the movie is this is a self-centered asshole who doesn't understand these things and he yeah. comes to learn it. He's supposed to be ignorant at the beginning. There's nothing wrong with that, but they would never allow it today. They'd say, oh, is he dim or something like that. You right, know? right, right. Are you saying also like it wouldn't get made because um, we're, we're portraying a character like Charlie Babbitt, who's a self-centered asshole and comes to terms with someone like Raymond suggesting that because we live in this world of there's no road to redemption that to even suggest that there is one in a movie like this would throw off the whole I wasn't going there but it's kind of it's kind of in the same vein that it's if if, if some if a character in a movie says retarded there is a subset of people possibly a small group very small group but vocal but a loud group vocal that would say that that's horrible Over. that's an offensive word even though the point is the movie is supposed to be kind of an ignorant guy at the beginning and he redeems himself. Right. So it's, it's, I don't think it was necessarily the point I was making, but it's, it's in the same vein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and here's the other sad part to the answer that question. Could this movie get made today? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say yes, just based on the stupid sole fact that every fucking movie has to be remade now. <laughs> right. Which, so I would give it a, you know, a good 95% chance that it right. would get remade. Well, the other thing that would happen if they remade it, there would definitely be a group of people that were complaining that, why don't you use an autistic actor? Well, right. Yeah. That, that whole stupid argument. Because uh, what's the dude's name from um, uh, um, uh, that Netflix show that was Breaking Bad? What was the main guy's name? Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston recently played a guy in a wheelchair and there was an outrage that uh, there was an actor who could have been really right in a wheelchair and could have played the role. It's like, yeah, but Brian Cranston's a pretty goddamn good actor, yeah. and he's an actor. It's That's an the actor. Whole point. That's the and whole also, point. it's a business. Who's the wildly successful wheelchair actor that can open a movie or TV? no idea? You know? Not a fucking clue who that could have been. Um, I again, I touched on this a little bit, but it's just so strange that they never address the fact. Like, Tom Cruise doesn't, even after he becomes understanding, he doesn't seem that upset that he was never informed that he had a brother. 
The only time that really ever comes out. The very end, he says something. It, well, it, it's it's towards the end, something to the effect of, and this I think this line of dialogue was supposed to help the audience um, be on Charlie Babbitt's side, where he says like, "My mother died when I was really young. Yeah, my father basically." disowned me right he's like i don't have any connection with my family that's that's why i need to have my connection with raymond right and i and you're like okay well i can understand the argument but you're still fucking jackass like yeah that's i I get the line of dialogue why it was in there sure but it it didn't convince me of anything well if here's what i don't understand why tom cruise didn't make this case again uh raymond is a vulnerable adult and Tom Cruise just walked off with them. Why are you sending them back to Walbrook? They don't know. The, right. what, their chief thing is his security. And he's just, they don't know he's his brother. He's just a dude who walked off with a right. vulnerable adult. But, and, well, and the other big problem with that decision at the end, it's presented as so black and white. Either he stays with Charlie in LA or he goes back to Walbrook in Ohio. I'm guessing they have a similar facility in LA that's never broached. Ever. Yeah. Um, and they even make the claim at the beginning of the movie that Raymond is there on his own. Like, he's not even held. He's right. not even there out of obligation. Right. Yeah, he's a voluntary patient or something. Yeah. Say. <laughs> oh, although, the other, my other problem with that is that view, this happens a lot in movies where, like, we're, we've spent all this time with Tom Cruise at this point. And yeah. so we're, we want them to be together. But objectively, if you look at it, he's acting like a complete asshole. He's so defensive about everything. Like, and the, so the psychologist, the guy from Walbrook, and the—I don't even know—it's. I think it's another psychiatrist who's brought in as like the arbiter to make the decision. He's, oh, the the. Are you talking about the guy who's sitting down at yeah, the hearing? That's actually Barry Levinson. I, I read too. Oh, is it? Yeah, he's nothing but a jackass. That guy? No, yes. I'm saying Tom Cruise is the jackass. No, but the other guy's a jackass too. Because remember, he's doing he's questioning Raymond over and over and over again, right? Trying to get like different results. Do you remember? Because he's because he's asking these questions, 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 and Raymond's just going, yeah, yeah right, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, stop asking the fucking questions. <laughs> but you're I, tormenting the guy. It seemed like Cruz came in like, oh, you're the guy who's going to take my brother away. Right. And, and there were, he was very, Levinson, or the character was very like, look, this all I'm doing is making suggestions. We're, what we have is the best interest of your brother in mind. And it's like, yeah, if if I really cared about my brother, I would understand an institution going, you know, this Johnny come lately right. swings by and spends a enchanting six days with them let's just let them run off with right. them they're doing their due diligence and Cruz it is their due diligence but you kind of also have to ask too like what legal um authority do does the institution have because if right. the guy's there on a voluntary basis it's that you know seems what i mean like, yeah and it seems strange because the whole point is He's a vulnerable adult. He doesn't have the capacity to make that decision for himself. No, and and he even proves it with the line of questioning. Right. Because he just says yeah to everything. Yeah. I thought this was kind of funny. At one point, uh, Charlie, Tom Cruise, refers to Raymond. He says, come on, little guy. And it's funny because Tom Cruise is, you know, he's like 5'4". Oh, he's known to be very short. But Hoffman must be very short, too, because... He, I think he is. He is, like, the same height or yeah. maybe even slightly shorter than Cruise. Yeah. Um, I had kind of a weird, I, I don't remember at what point in the movie or what made me think of this, but I was thinking of Charlie Babbitt, Tom Cruise as a stand in for Trump. 
And just listen to the listen to what I got in terms of uh, comparisons here. Okay. Okay. Charlie Babbitt, he's financial hardship. Can't you know he he's, can't make his payments. Donald Trump has filed for bankruptcy three times. Right. Um. So these early ones are a little bit weaker, but uh, so. I think the Lambo is very in line where it's like you, you can have a Bentley or a Rolls Royce and they're very high in cars, but there's kind of that dignity or class associated sure. with it where the Lambo is just like the gaudy, gauche, yeah. Flashy, yeah. flashy rich. And that's kind of like Trump's whole thing right. with gold lettering on everything. Yeah. Um, Charlie is very upset with the EPA over regulations for the Lambos. <laughs> uh, Trump has placed Scott Pruitt and other... Uh, Oil lobbyists as the head of the EPA. Um, both have a foreign-born love interest. <laughs> uh, and the <laughs> so Baron Trump, some people I this is kind of bullshit, I think, that people write about this, but people have suggested he may have autism. Um, on what grounds? Uh, I, I, I don't know if there's been like interviews with him or something that seems like he's very nonverbal and people have like publicly publicly questioned if he has autism. And I would imagine that uh, Trump recently found out that he has the son, much like Charlie uh, recently discovered that he has uh, <laughs> he has a brother. So I thought that was in. Oh, and also both both made their wait, wait, wait. So is is the suggestion that Baron Trump has autism? Is that like a knock on Baron, or what why is that fucking even brought up i don't know but people have people have brought it up like does baron trump have autism because that it almost seems like because it's, it's like I, I have a feeling it's kind of like uh it, to me it's like not trying to make fun of trump but like everything's a knock on trump though. right it, it, to me it's like an example of a because it, it almost seems like it has the same flavor of when like um like a conservative, either politician or just a conservative person, like bashes gay people, and then it turns out that they have like gay lovers on the side. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, look, he's gay!" Yeah, and it's yeah. like, "But wait, are you knocking that he's gay?" Or like, you right, know what I mean? Where right, it's just like, right. "What? Do you, what's the? Where, where's the attack here?" <laughs> you know, <right>. that's <laughs> the way that kind of feels to me, anyway. <laughs> um. I thought it was funny. So, you know, I, I think this movie probably did a lot to bring autism awareness. You know, they probably really did uh, increase awareness of autism as a disease. But it's funny because in the movie, people in the healthcare industry don't seem to know what autism is. Like at a certain point, he stops in like Oklahoma or something. And I don't, we didn't talk about this in the powder, right? I think we were just talking about this where he writes down autistic and the orderly comes up to him and goes, artistic? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. it's like... You're a, or you're an orderly. You're orderly. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, that at the same stop, the doctor after Cruz, because Cruz, I think uh, Raymond had like a episode where he kind of freaked out, and so Cruz pulls over to a hospital to try to get some help. Right. And so he explains his brother's autistic, and the the doctor goes, "Well, I'm not a psychologist." And then he throws in, "Does he happen to have any special abilities?" Just a left field comment. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he does. <laughs> right. He's an autistic savant. Right. 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 Because um, isn't that like even in what we know of autism now today, that type of autism is still like a 
incredibly rare, right? Yeah, it's, it's not like... I think it, it, as much as this movie did to probably raise awareness of autism, it probably also made people think, oh, autistic people have freakish <laughs> mathematical <laughs> abilities, when in fact, the uh, majority do not. Uh, the only incredible gift I saw with a guy that I used to work with that had autism, or... Uh, what is Asperger's? Is that a type of autism? So when they talk about it on the spectrum, they it, I think it's classified as qualitatively different, but it's kind of like a it's basically like autism light essentially. Okay, so there's a guy who wasn't diagnosed with Asperger's, but everyone's like he's got Asperger's. <laughs> he, he when I first showed up to work, they're like he's going to ask you a bunch of questions, and I'm like all right, whatever. You know, I was just seemed like a, kind of a weird thing to point out. And then, of course, the guy walked up to me. I was sitting down. He was standing up, refused to make eye contact with me, and asked me where I was from. And I said, ah, I'm Minnesota. And he's like, oh, 35. That runs through uh, the Twin uh, Cities and starts naming off all these like major highways. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's what he did with every person. Right. He would ask them where they were from. Or pre had a preconceived notion of where you were from based on some information he might have gotten from somewhere else, and then would proceed. What is this guy retarded? <laughs> I don't know, Charlie. Uh, what uh, if you were from Indiana or Kentucky or wherever? Right. He knew every major highway that ran through your state. Huh. Way to go, buddy. <laughs> Um, I thought this was funny. So Cruz smokes a few times throughout. He does, and it's so it, unnatural. Like not even, not even like looking physically at the gesture. Just the concept of Tom Cruise and the concept of smoking are like, you know, diametrically opposed. Well, to each other. And, and so even with that being said, like, because I watched Mad Men and they smoke and. Like after they fucking take a shit, they, well, they're, they're lighting up a cigarette. There's a little too much like camera winking going on there. It's like, look at us, we're smoking. No, Can you believe it? One hundred percent true. The however, just witnessing uh, smoking now in cinema. Oh right. I that's my barometer. Right. So when I see it sparingly in a movie, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, he's gonna get lung cancer. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if a character's smoking, he's got to be evil. Um. So at one point, Cruz has to stop. One of the kind of through lines of the movie is that Raymond, he has got certain peculiarities. He likes routine. And so he likes to watch People's Court every day. And uh, he, so at one point, when, when it's getting close to, he always says like, oh, five minutes to Wapner. And so they're in the middle of nowhere. So Cruz tries to play a ruse on a woman and says that he's with Nielsen um, and wondering if he could, uh, if she'd like to be a Nielsen or Nielsen uh, ratings provider. And he said, it's funny. I know that he's not actually a Nielsen person, so it's perfectly fine. But he says $286 a month. I actually was a Nielsen ratings provider at one point when I moved to Virginia. And, uh, th th you know, that was 2000, that was about 2011, I think. And I got paid $150 like every three months. And that, <laughs> for like the first three months. And then it was like $75 afterwards. So. Uh, they, they they either they inflated yeah it's uh well that's the problem when the population doubles in size in less than 50 years <laughs> one thing that i did want to throw out and i thought the movie would have been fifty thousand times better if this was the cast sure the original script oh yes, their script originally written with real life brothers <laughs> 
Dennis and Randy Quaid. Dennis and Randy Quaid. Uh, who would play who, I wonder? <laughs> <laughs> How funny would it have been if Dennis was Dustin Off? Just doing Eddie from the vacation movies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 88, so vacation movies came up mid 80s right? well the first one i think was 1980 or maybe 81. okay okay and so that uh, makes sense actually. then there's european vacation is kind of forgotten one i think christmas yeah. was right around this 89 time. yeah i think i think yeah. it was 89 that would that probably would have even made the role for randy quaid even better because people have been like oh he played that retard <laughs> now he is a retard you know what i mean yeah. he would not have done any prep either oh zero no uh would have been great <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was kind of funny. So they do kind of touch on like the uh, sensitivity to uh, sensory input with like, at the, you know, the fire, the smoke detector goes off at the end. Yeah. And he's just kind of freaking out. Uh, Raymond's freaking out. Charlie wakes up and has to kind of soothe him a little bit. So a casino probably wouldn't be the best place for him. No, absolutely not. He'd be freaking they, out. They even like kind of hit, hit on it a little bit. But when he's was walking through and they're showing all the lights and the fucking loud noises and yeah, but it's, it's presented as like a mild disturbance whereas the smoke like, detector he's like he would, he would slit his wrist if he yeah. gave him a knife you know <laughs> uh, in the, speaking of the casino there was a part there this is just kind of like a movie truism like pretty much so so he counts cards with, you know it's all about probability right but in movies probability basically means certainty oh like, absolutely to, with the queens the queens right? that's yeah, exactly yeah. what I'm getting at so uh, at a certain point, no, there's more queens. And yeah, it's like, he's oh, like, queen. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, everyone's got a queen. So, oh, yeah. so Raymond hits at a scene he's not supposed to, and he has 18, and he gets a he gets a queen. So he get he busts. He has 28, and Tom Cruise says to him, "That was my queen." That was my queen. He goes, "Don't worry, there's a lot more of them." And then, of course, the next Cruise. card is a queen. The dealer flips like two queens in a row, right. and it's like. Well, like the like the dealer ends up showing like sixteen and then busts on another queen. Yeah, yeah. And it's so like, it works oh, out Jesus perfectly. Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, and the other thing that's also a, a movie truism in scenes like that is like so so obviously Charlie starts winning, right? And so it draws a crowd. Yeah, and also yeah. everyone's every time he wins, everyone's like, Woo! and it's like no one in casino yeah. gives. Everyone else is there to fucking win money too. Exactly. They don't give a fuck yeah. about a guy winning at a blackjack yeah. table. They're probably gonna like sneakily eye him to make sure who to, yeah, right. who to catch up with in the parking lot. Exactly. You know? Um Well that's another thing too, like sh- okay. Like he wins eighty thousand dollars. Counting cards, again, it's probability, it lets you know what to do. It doesn't guarantee you're gonna win a shitload of money right away, you know. What's what it like what ends up because the probability of you winning at a casino at a blackjack table yeah is probably what less than 20 percent. no it's very close to 50 50 it's oh, just it not is? it's just it's like i mean it's probably it's probably not even 51 49 it's probably or uh, maybe it's like that but it, the whole idea is that the casino because they're playing in every hand they have a small very very tiny advantage but the more trials the more, then it's like basically gar- they are guaranteed to win because right. they're playing you know every hand they have the odds in their favor sure. by a very small amount. So counting cards, you can actually reverse the odds in your favor, but that's all it is is a rever- It's not like oh you have a ninety percent chance right, of winning, right, you know? but right. it's always presented as counting cards is basically you can print money. You know, right? The other thing about counting cards, they say in this movie like he's like oh uh, I think Tom Cruise actually says something about being illegal. And I don't know that it... I mean, a, a casino has the right to kick you out for any reason. Yeah. But, like, 
I don't know that you could make it illegal because all you're doing, you're not cheating. You're it's just, not cheating. You're it's just using your fucking head. Exactly. You're turning the advantage towards you. I can understand the casino saying, hey, we know what you're doing. You're not welcome here. Right. But you, they can't prosecute you no, for kind of cards. Even when you openly admit it like, uh, like he did. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, a parallel to cocktail. Uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise is presented with a large check to, uh, I think, $250,000 to just kind of go away at the end. And he, uh, it's the doctor. Before they have the meeting with Levinson... They're like walking around the pool at his hotel or something, and he gives them a check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars from the trust to basically like, hey, oh, let, to let walk the, away. Yeah, and of yeah. course he doesn't. Yeah, much like in cocktail. Um, oh yeah, from the dad, from yeah. Elizabeth Shue's dad. Exactly. Yeah, okay, okay. I was trying to connect. Um, we are at fifty minutes. We get to how Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, or do you want to do the uh, other Tom bit? Oh yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let's do other times. So give us a setup here, Eric. All right. So um, as you may recall from uh, Vanilla Sky's episode, uh, I I did enjoy the casting of Vanilla Sky. I thought it was a brilliant casting job. Sure. Um, this one I would have rather rather seen the, the two Randys. Or the two, or the two, <laughs> the two Quades, Quades. Yeah. Um, in this role. But however, we have Academy Quaid, Award. Quaid Man. Quaid Man. We have the Academy Award winner, Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. And we have, as always, Tom Cruise. Uh, so, you know, with with Dustin Hoffman playing Ray as a man who's very heavily autistic, I thought, well, maybe the duality of the two maybe would have been even stronger if they would have cast a guy named Tom who was also uh, a little bit batty. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe that would have made it a little bit stronger. So should we listen so, to that? So I would have, I thought, what if instead of Tom Cruise, they casted Tom Green? Ooh, Canadian legend Tom Green. Let's, let's, let's get a listen of what that may, may have sounded like. Pancakes. Pancakes. Of course, maple syrup is supposed to be on the table before. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Charlie Babbitt made a joke. That's no good, is it? Here, give me your sandwich. I will fix it for you. We can't have people complaining that there's not enough cheese in the cheese sandwiches now, can we? I mean, if there's no cheese in a cheese sandwich, it's basically just two slices of bread. If word of that were to get out, well, I could lose my job. I could lose all of this! And we wouldn't want that now, would we? Would we? Would we? So wow, I, I kind of like that a little bit better. <laughs> Maybe you could add two Oscar winners from this movie. <laughs> we could be sitting here talking about Tom Green, Oscar <laughs> award-winning actor. What a trajectory that would have yeah. been. And meanwhile, maybe Tom Cruise in this alternate reality is uh, handing out slap jobs under the bridge in Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, wasn't uh, isn't Tom Green on the on the newest uh, uh, Big Brother? Is he really? I think so. I might it's watch like, Big Brother. It's like a celebrity Big Brother. Oh, wow. He's on some reality show that I've never seen before. Man, he, yeah, his 15 minutes came and went pretty quick, oh, didn't it? Yeah. All right. Whoa, well, I have uh, some high crews. Also, I, th- I thought of another potential bit. I'm not going to do it today, but in the spirit, because the haiku is kind of a limiting medium, 
I could I could create a rap. Well, here's another. Okay, so two live crews. <laughs> <laughs> just about booty shaking. Well, just about the movie in general. So, if if I may, just suggest something on air that I should have suggested off air. Sure. And so I could eat up more time that we don't have for sure. this podcast. Sure. Um, maybe set up like a, some kind of like musical like, and now another time. What or what do you call it? High cruise. High cruise. And then oh, like there add you some go. Music to it, and then I like you, it. And then you read your high cruises or your two live cruise. I like it. We'll we'll begin the search. Okay. Um. All right. These are some high. I have two high cruises. Ooh. Um. Sexy. Oh yeah. Oh, silly Babbitt. Ticks are for the autistics, not useless actors. Did you did you get what I was going after there? No. Fill me in. Oh, I'll say it again. Okay. Oh, actually, let me, let me put a little uh, inflection. I'll oh, change the inflection on it. Should have done. Oh, silly Babbitt! Ticks are for autistics. Got anything? It's cereal. Yes, right? tricks. Okay. Yeah. Silly rabbits. Oh, silly Babbitt! I said <laughs> ticks are for autistics, not useless actors. High cruise number two. Charlie learns to love only after winning cash. Does he love Rain Man? I'll let the audience decide. Mm-hmm. I think they decided like uh, like three decades ago. <laughs> Jury's out on this one. <laughs> um, oh, I, I read a few things on IMDb. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, I, I guess he wanted to quit at some point. And he said, I read that too. Get somebody else because this is the worst work of my life. Tell that to a coal miner, Dustin. See how, <laughs> see how long that lasts. Oh, I didn't know you were going that way. This it. is really hard pretending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Hoffman. <laughs> um, Pretentious bitch. I, I read something that... It, so in the, the scene where the doctor and orderly have no idea what autism is, there's also a man, presumed to also be mentally disabled in some way, who's going on and on about the Pony Express. He's oh, like, yeah, yeah. So I read that that guy that was just a dude who was at whatever they were oh, filming. Oh, I read this too. Yeah, it was at IMDb. We probably read yeah, the yeah, same yeah. thing. It was just a dude who was at the place that they were shooting, and he was he apparently is a huge. He's he's like a historian. He's not a well like a informal like no. He just likes the Pony Express and talks about it a lot. And Levinson liked it. So he was like, you know what? Let's throw that in. This, there. this person appears to be mentally handicapped. <laughs> like, let's throw him in. It only bolsters my argument previously with you, me, and Botnan that old people are stupid. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I got the Quaid brothers point, which we've already talked on. Um, oh, I thought so. Apparently, there was before Levinson. There was another director attached, and it was Dustin Hoffman who insisted on the that it be not just an autistic person, but autistic savant. And apparently, the other director just wanted somebody who was mentally disabled. And the director left because of it. Kind of with the director. Because again, like they're kind of saying like, oh, Charlie learns to love his brother because he's got this crazy skill that benefits him. Like, right, right, right. When the, I mean, I think the theme of the movie is like, he, you should love your sibling regardless. Right, right. regardless. Yeah. I, so I read that this was, for until Forrest Gump, the highest grossing best, best picture Oscar winner until Forrest Gump came out. Interesting. Yeah. And then uh, the the doctor from also a retard movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, there's there's something about how nah, I'm not going to get into. It. Um, <laughs> but the, so the doctor from Walbrook apparently is also the doctor who played Rowdy Burns' doctor in Days of Thunder. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. The inaugural pod. Um, I didn't really have any... Or no, I guess I did have one. So uh, uh, on a few pods, I've kind of mentioned like weird quotes that just kind of stood out to me. Like I think we, uh, in Vanilla Sky, I talked about how Kirk Russell at one point says, cryotainment. And it, oh, just you, that throwaway yeah. line. Yeah. And it, so it, I like to think of them as ad-libs. And that one is an ad-lib that didn't and work it, and they kept in. But yeah. in honor of what I... This is far... Like Goodfellas is a phenomenal... It's like probably a top five all-time movie for me. Sure. I love it. And I think my favorite line is very obviously an ad lib. So this is going to be, whenever I, I find those quotes, it's going to be in this segment, which I'm calling the, uh, well, actually, let, let me set this up a little bit. So Goodfellas, after the infamous, like, go get your shine box, he yeah, kills yeah, them yeah. with yeah. the pen. Uh, <clears throat> they stop at Joe Pesci's character's mom's house. And have spaghetti? Yeah, they, yeah. At, at like two in the morning, she yeah. makes it. It's kind of like the joke of the Italian mother always trying to feed everyone. Right. And the mother is Martin Scorsese's actual mother in real life. Oh, is that Plays. right? Okay. Yeah. But anyway, do you remember how she has a painting that she shows them? Oh, yeah. And, and he's like, it, it I like this one. You got one dog looking this way, the other dog looking the other way. <laughs> it's the greatest. It's got to be an ad lib line, but it just fucking kills me every time. So. And, he's say, and he's saying it so nonchalantly. He's got like spaghetti coming yeah. out of his mouth. <laughs> I like this way. You got this dog looking this way, the other one's looking the other way. <laughs> oh, it's the best. But It's a great line. Uh, in honor of that, and I kind of just pulled this one to have a quote so I could set that up. But yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a scene where um, Tom Cruise is making a call in a phone booth and Dustin Hoffman... Uh, Charlie or Raymond farts inaudibly, and so uh, Cruz says, "Did you fart, Ray? Did you fucking fart?" And it's funny because just the way that Cruz reacted, I was I, for some reason I was like, "I think I think he really farted," and it was and, un- did, and, and that's I read did. about it on yeah. IMDb. It actually was an ad lib. So, um, well done, Dustin. That's right. All right, we got to do uh, how Tom Cruise. Is yeah, we Cruz. do, and I have. And I'm going to be the asshole. Let's and toss around uh, different categories for this By one all means. And because I think I'm discovering that when we do the older Tom Cruise movies, mm-hmm. there are very Tom Cruise-isms yeah. that take place in the older flicks. Sure. So one is a, a, a standard, it's a staple in this, is the overacting. And I think this oh, is This might be the best example we've done so far. So, because Days of Thunder, he overacts a lot in that one. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's some decent overacting in Color of Money. Well, you know what's funny? I've noticed the overacting, always it's always Tom Cruise being kind of like at wit's end. Always. You know? And he does that. He's, that's the whole movie. 90% of the movie is him at wit's end with Raymond. So Right. I he, mean, it's, it's a constant overacting almost. Yeah. But not like, but not flail level overacting. Like, because to me, the ultimate overacting is when Tom Cruise flails. Right. I don't know oh, if he flails. He does yeah. a lot of snapping fingers, clapping hands, yeah. screaming at, you know, maybe not screaming, but yelling at Ray. Sure. But it's, 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 it, but he's kind of jerky. He's not flailing, but he's like jerky right. when he's doing it, you know? Um, so I'm giving this one a solid eight. Okay. I was going to say eight too. Okay. So that works. I, one of the lines I noticed. So early on, I'm surprised we didn't mention this already, but, uh, so the car, the 89 or sorry, 48, 48 Buick. Yeah. Um, when Cruz is explaining to his girlfriend, how he's become a strange, be, he always wanted to drive this car. 
and his father would oh, never let him. This is a very him. integral part of the fucking movie, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. We very much missed on this. So his father had never let him drive the car. One day he says he brings home a report card, almost all A's. I, I thought that was a funny line. Yeah, almost. It wasn't, it wasn't all A's, but almost what all A's. What about it was an F? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and he, said, he says, oh, can I drive the car? And the dad still won't let him. So he ends up stealing it, basically, taking it for a joyride with his friends. His dad reports it stolen, knowing exactly what had happened. And the other, so Tom Cruise's friends' dads all bailed them out, while his dad let him stay in, pr- stay in prison for two days. Uh, and at Which that is point, the end of the relationship. That's when yeah. they, they were estranged ever since that moment. Um, Which is like, so where did he go? Because wasn't he like 16, 17 years old? Yeah, exactly. But so the, while, the fucking under the bridge while doing he, hand jobs or what? <laughs> this, the Pittsburgh slap jobs. <laughs> the crew special. Um, so dirt, while he's explaining that story, he says, nothing I ever did was good enough for this guy. Almost A's is nothing you ever did. Brought home a report card. Almost all A's. Nothing I ever do is good enough for this guy. <laughs> oh, I thought this was really funny. It, this was overacting, but it, was, it may have been the funniest line in the movie. During the scene where uh, he pretends to be the Nielsen. Yeah. Uh, he, so he's... Weird fucking scene. We, very weird scene. But So he eventually... They, uh, they are allowed in and they watch People's Court. But initially, I, don't, I think Raymond does something to screw it up. And the woman kind of gives him a side glance. And so Cruz is freaking out that they're not going to be let in. And he goes, look, he, he's kind of pointing in towards the window so he can see the people's courts on. And he's going, Ray, look, he's in there making legal history in there, Ray. But we can't go in there because you screwed it up. <laughs> I thought that was a, a great, it was kind of overacting, but pretty humorous for, for Cruz. It was. Um, all right. So Smirk. So there's, there's a, there were a couple some. of slight ones. And they're at Ray. Yeah, yeah, and they're and I think they're at the very end of the movie too. Because I think was, was there one when they're in the cafe where the Tom Green scene here? Sure, um, that we just watched. That we just <laughs> wasn't. Did he smirk at at Ray there? Because you know Ray keeps asking for pancakes, and and Cruz oh, is right. trying to decipher oh. which kind. Yeah, and he goes the the maple syrup is supposed to be on the table already. And then Cruz grabs the maple syrup that's sitting right in front of him. Right. Oh, that and, yeah, and he yeah. smirks at him, and then and then that's where Ray goes. Ah. <laughs> right. Yeah. This one, I I was gonna say because there's definitely are a lot or not a lot, but the, throughout the movie there were definitely a few times where I noticed a smirk. None of them were like the megawatt, like super Tom no. Cruise. I was thinking either a four or a six. I don't want to give out a five. It's too mid middle of the road. But I don't know. I want to go more four, four? than six. Okay. Yeah. On that one. Sold. So I want to say scrap music for this one. Yeah. Although I did read, so Hans Zimmer, like John Williams. Yeah, this is his first score. Yeah, John Williams is like, he's Star Wars, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Hans Zimmer is probably, like, I've heard of him before. Right, so he's too. probably like the second most famous. Right. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Score, S- supervisor. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. But yeah, this was his first movie. Composer. And, composer. Yeah. But it said that there's only 12 minutes of score. score music? And... It's only in the entire fucking movie. Well, it's two hours and fourteen minutes. Exactly, and I guess uh, Levinson said no strings because he want, he thought it would evoke it would be kind of a cheap ploy for emotion or something. But isn't that the whole point of the string music? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it's kind of what movies are is emotional yeah. manipulation. So. <laughs> right. um, uh, but I say scrap it because uh, I wanted to add this category. It might be too big of a cheat. Sure, but I was going to say sunglasses. Oh, this was. Huge. Very iconic 
Tom Cruise wearing sunglasses uh, in multiple scenes. Well, and they're we, very, very Tom Cruise-like sunglasses. Could we fold that into cocksureness? Well, I was going to keep cocksureness in okay. there. Okay. Yeah, let's do sunglasses. So let's, I'm going to leave. Well... Because here's the thing: is it's only going to be a high number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's true. It's, <laughs> so just, it's too much of a cheat. Yeah. Well, we'll just we'll give it an honorable mention, not include it in the score. But it was Ray Bans. This was like, I guess this would have been after Top Gun, but it was Ray Bans that he was wearing. So okay, pretty pretty classic cruise. Are we, so we're not scoring that. Yeah, we can eight nine nine, yeah, nine. nine. yeah yeah. Um, hair pretty. I saw that was the other one I wanted to keep in this one. Yeah, was the hair because it's very Tom Cruise. Yeah, hair. I was gonna say eight or nine again, eight maybe. I'm I'm okay with nine. All right, let's do nine. Uh, and then cocksureness. It's yeah. kind of he's so he's not real. I mean, he's got the financial troubles. He's really more exasperated. He doesn't really have that cockiness. Even even when he's he's, he's a guy who should have the cockiness. exactly. And so it, I was gonna give this. You know what I a, think though? If just take. You don't say a name, yeah. But take a person back in your, you know, in your childhood that you thought was for sure the cocksure person, sure. That you that everyone looked up to, yep, right. And take that person. Normally, it's like a kind of a jock or someone yeah. of that nature. Take that person. Somebody would be calling everybody chief, <laughs> right? <laughs> and imagine them in in the situation that Charlie Babbitt's in, and. Right, of, they would lose all their cocksureness. Well, that I think because the whole thing about the cocksureness is even in the face of bad odds, you maintain your control and you're cool. And he does not do that at all. At all. So I was gonna say like a two or a three here. You're gonna go that low? Yeah. Okay. Um. Oof. I'll take three. I'll all take right, three. Let's do three. All right. I'll add these up. You can tap dance. Well, the this won't factor into the score, but I think just kind of in general, it. It doesn't feel like a Tom Cruise role because for the majority of the movie, usually he is the cocksure. He's like, he's kind of like arrogant. He's very good at whatever he's doing, Make but sure he's, he's kind of arrogant. In this, he's presented as a bad person. You know, he's presented yeah. as, as actually being like, no, this guy's not like brash. He's an asshole. So it, <laughs> for that reason, it didn't feel like much of a Tom Cruise role while still acknowledging that this was in the, I mean, this is like the peak. This is right after Top Gun. This is in the the heart of the one of the greatest runs an actor's ever had. Uh, thirty three out of fifty. That sounds about right. I mean, I thought this would have scored a little bit higher, but I think the reason it didn't is it because it it wasn't a Tom Cruise movie in the sense of like of that lack of the cocksureness. Exactly. Uh, not role so much because the role was there. Yeah. It's just that the the situation it wasn't sexy. Yeah. Yeah. It was more. I think part of it is because this is. I mean, this is for you know a serious movie about a serious issue. Yeah. And so there has to be some kind of you. Can, I, it would it would miss something if he went from being like cocky to. You know, like the transformation right. is more impactful when it's like, no, he went from a bad person to a good person, right? right. Rather than like a, at worst, aloof person right. to a good person, right? No, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at with the uh, how Tom Cruise is this. I think that puts it kind of rather high, actually. Is it really? Yeah, because I got, I got a color money at thirty eight. I got Oblivion at 18. I got Collateral at 19. 
War of the Worlds at 21. Edge of Tomorrow at 17 out of 40. Ooh. Um, and then I have Vanilla Sky at 32 out of 50. So this is this is a high on our list wow. so far. Yeah, it might be, that might be era considerations too because it is that late 80s run Yeah, where Tom Cruise is Very beco- Tom Cruise. becoming Tom Cruise, if yeah. you will. Shaping that Tom Cruise mystique. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Betty Friedan should write a book about it. Feminine mystique. That's deep. That's a deep cut. <laughs> I don't have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> There's a woman named Betty Friedan who wrote a book called The Feminine Mystique during like the women's lib era. So you, the fact that you said Tom Cruise's mystique just like a hundred years ago or uh, 1960s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. During the, the big women's lib push, burning of bras and whatnot. Mm, I was thinking more uh, women's right to vote back in 1919. Suffrage. What a strange word. It is a know? strange word. Did you ever see the man show? Um, when they, yeah, Oh the play yeah, yeah. 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 Women's suffrage. It's a good yeah. thing, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> Um, I think that's all we got. I, I don't else? have anything. What else? are we doing next week? Fucking you... Christ, I have no idea. <laughs> we got. I threw those other movies out on the last pod. It was like, oh yeah, American Made. We could do that one. Yeah, I say let's go newer, yeah. just because um, this one was so yeah long ago. It was right. just thirty fucking years ago, dude. Yeah, Ugh. that's a long time ago. It's Over. I know. Thirty-one. Well, yeah. I guess we are in the early part of twenty nineteen. Potato, potato. Alright, well, unless we change our mind, American Made, Pods Pods of of Thunder. Thunder.